Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. So, everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Native. I am John Kane, and I'm going to offer what I hope are my final thoughts and words on the uh, Pope of the Catholic Church uh, and his apology tour uh, through Canada. Well, who knows what he'll do when, when the United States decides it's finally going to, uh, you know, uh, claim to be reckoning the uh, their genocide that was committed uh, at these schools. But uh, but for now, we saw I don't know if it was a five or six day tour that the uh, the Pope uh, made um, to various Native communities um, and of course other major venues where he could uh, take center stage. And, and I got to ask the question, can we stop? Can we stop pandering to this guy? I mean, as, as I go through the, the program today, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what a fraud he truly is. And, and I just think it's important that people realize, realize it. I think it's important that people realize that his apology was not taking responsibility for anything. His apology was apologizing for the actions of, of not just other people, but other people that he really doesn't have any responsibility to or for. So can we stop pandering to him? Can we stop dancing for him? I mean, can we, can we stop um, dressing up for him? Can we stop posing for the photo ops for him, uh, with him? Can we stop giving him things like headdresses and beadwork and blankets and all that other stuff? Can we, can we stop? I mean, can we stop traveling to go see him? Not just in Canada. And I don't know how many thousands of dollars was spent by Native people making this pilgrimage to, you know, to go see the, the Pope in this tour. But I know... There's been years and years that people have gone, even fairly recently, I think this past year, a delegation went to see the Pope in Rome. And again, dancing for him, offering him gifts, and, you know, and all of these, these warm overtures. Look, I wouldn't even say singing, because I, I will say, the, <laughs> I did hear of the one Cree singer who sang in her language to the tune of the Canadian National Anthem, but really, from what I understand, and I don't speak Cree, so I can't say for sure, but some of the translations that I saw, she was pretty condemning of the Pope. She told him to take that headdress off. And, and she spoke some truth, from what I understand. And I think it was a crafty way of, of really confronting the Pope, because nobody else did. I mean, nobody else did. I mean, some claimed to be doing it. Some said, well, I, I went there because I feel like I had to speak my mind. Well, did you? The vast majority of people who went to see the Pope were Christians. And I don't care how they dress. And I don't care if, if we're talking about the, the folks that went to see him while he was on his apology tour or the ones who went to see him to beg him for an apology this past year, including some Haudenosaunee folks, making overtures about how much like that we are just like him. I heard one, one account that said that it was claimed that, uh, that, that we're... We have a soul just like you. Do we? What is that? What part of the anatomy is that? No, that's a Christian belief. And you know what else is a Christian concept? Forgiveness. There's no Mohawk word. I don't believe there's a Seneca word for forgiveness or to forgive. I mean, there are words for, to forget. But nobody forgets on purpose. You, in fact... It's virtually impossible to say, I'm going to intentionally forget something. Because the more you try to forget something, the more it's on your mind. In fact, how can you forget it if you're talking about forgetting it? 
So this idea of forgiveness, that is, you know, that is, you know, tied to, you know, all of the, the, the Christian myths, you know, original sin and dying on the cross and, you know, all, all this, all this other stuff. But it's not our kind. We don't even have a word for it. We have a word for settling things or for allowing things to settle. We have words for that essentially can make the argument for things like restorative justice. But none of that starts or ends with an apology or with forgiveness. It starts with, with physically doing something to make a wrong right. And look, if somebody is harmed by accident, that doesn't require, you know, these overtures. I mean, look, you, you try to mitigate, you know, whatever the behavior is so those accidents don't happen again. But it's not with intent, ill intent. But make no mistake about it. The Catholic Church had nothing but, and again, I'm going to say the word evil, but evil intent when it came to Native people. And evil is a man-made construct. doesn't exist in nature. I mean, there, there are things that exist in nature that, that we may perceive as bad or evil, but that's just our interpretation of it. I mean, is cancer evil? Well, I, I hate what cancer has done, and I, I join with the F cancer crowd. But, but I don't know that it's evil. I mean, I, I, so the only thing I see that is evil uh, is man and man's behavior towards each other, towards the planet, towards, you know, uh, you know other, other creatures, other creation, all of it. Man is, man is the birthplace of evil. And Christianity, I'm going to say it right now, it's the birthplace of racism. Because when we talk about the doctrine of Christian discovery, this is a church doctrine that is the culmination of a series of papal bulls. And these are these decrees issued by popes, starting even before Columbus crossed the Atlantic. To be clear, even before he crossed the Atlantic. It started when, when Portugal and other nations were already beginning to go into Africa to take every, anything they wanted from, from the people of Africa. And so that's when the first papal bull came that basically said, no, you can, you can condemn and vanquish and kill, enslave, steal from, do whatever you want to do to these Saracens, these enemies of Christ. Because if you didn't believe what white people believed, and let's, let's be honest here, by the time we're talking about the 15th century, Christianity was, was totally taken over by white people. There's no white people in the Bible, folks, or the Old Testament. None. No white people. <laughs> this is a, a belief system that was born out of the Middle East, where people have dark skin, if not black. So there are no white people there. But it became, it, it, the Christian nations of Europe, they essentially asserted supremacy over the rest of the globe by, by virtue of the, what they believed in and interpretations of the Bible and, and other things. And when condemning others as the enemy of Christ, of, of Christ, it was easy to do that when skin color was so distinct. I mean, Europe had spent centuries oppressing their own people. But by the time you get into the Crusades and, and then the so-called discovery period, now you've got, uh, you, you've got a whole other ballgame going on. You've got a whole other use of your um, belief in your own supremacy, white supremacy, or supremacy as it was. Now, here, I want to mention something in case people don't realize, but the, the, in that series of Papal Bulls was the one that came um, dealing directly with uh, Columbus's voyage. And at the time that that Papal Bull was issued, it wasn't even determined that, that Columbus had reached a hemisphere that was unknown to, um, uh, essentially, to, to Europeans. When Col Columbus's voyage was a failed voyage. He was attempting to reach the easternmost islands. And, of course, you got to think about the globe being around here. So the easternmost islands of the Indies, what the, what the Europeans, what you know, the European nations, the Christian nations of Europe were calling the Indies, not just India, because everybody says, well, the India wasn't even a country then. No, but it was still referred to the area, including India, but, but everything west of the Indus River or, or the Hindus River, depending on how you want to uh, pronounce it or, or the spelling you, you find, was con considered the Indies. 
Indonesia, all of those islands. I mean, that's, and in fact, many maps still call it the East Indies. In fact, landed in the Caribbean, rather than correcting the mistake, they refer to the Caribbean as the West Indies. It's no connection to the East Indies other than its islands. But make no mistake about it. The papal bulls that, that direct the Christian nation to come land, occupy land, I know they use the terra nullis, and, uh, which meant void of humanity, void uh, a vacant land. What that meant was it was just they didn't consider us human. So the fact that there were millions and millions of native people living on the on these lands, we weren't Christians, so we weren't human. So they could consider it vacant land and, and put their claims to it. But but I just wanted to say something that I've never really said on this program before. If Columbus didn't fail in his exercise and had made it to, to Asia in the way that he uh, intended to, the, the, the Indies, those lands would have been, uh, would have experienced and ultimately would experience much of the same fate as, uh, as the Western Hemisphere. They still would have put their flag in the ground and claimed land even though there was already people there. So the fact that, that you know, people want to tout Columbus as having discovered America, he didn't even know he... He had fallen upon a land that was that was unknown to many Europeans, and I don't want to say completely unknown because look, there are there's pretty good evidence that maps had suggested that the landmass was there, but Columbus was totally wrong in believing that he could sail west, make it across the vast oceans of what would essentially have been the Atlantic and the Pacific, and the Indian Ocean for that matter. Um, to, to reach, reach Europe. Obviously, had he not landed in, in the Caribbean, uh, he and his men would have died. Uh, so his mistake was, uh, you know, was a fortunate one because he was so wrong that an entire landmass that he didn't um, know existed, uh, you know, essentially saved his life. But, it, but it's interesting because I don't think anybody's really considered the fact that, that the very claim claims that Columbus for Spain and the other nations that followed were made, would have been made in, in Indonesia had, uh, you know, had Columbus not been so, so you know, terribly wrong. I just wanted to mention that. But the Catholic Church was responsible for creating almost the marching orders of the Christian nations. He said it was their obligation, their duty as Christians to wage war against anybody who wasn't a Christian and, and, and would be called the enemies of Christ for that. So now, obviously, I haven't even discussed residential schools yet. <laughs> Trust me, I'll get there. But I can't get there without discussing the white supremacy that would come from this European mindset, bolstered, if not organized and promoted and ordered by the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church. Now, I will say, there have been popes, including this one, who have claimed that that doctrine of Christian discovery is no longer um, a, a, a church dogma. Yeah, but you haven't rescinded it. You haven't repudiated it. You may have issued other statements that contradict it or perhaps seem in your mind to nullify the brazen racism that it was expressed and the violence that was expressed in those papal, earlier papal bulls. But by the time those statements are made and those revelations are made, the U.S., Canada, and many other uh, areas of the, of the world had codified this notion that the Christian nations of Europe can just claim, enslave, kill, rape, yeah, it doesn't say so. The, the Pope never says to, th that he promotes rape. But, but you only have to look at how the Catholic Church has handled the clergy, the clergy sex abuse scandals to know what the church's role on rape and, uh, and, and sexual violence is. By the way, well, I wouldn't even get into it. I'm going to talk about how the, how the Pope tweaked his message during his you know, six-day tour, if that's what it was, six days or whatever he, that he took across uh, Canada. And I also need to mention that when the Pope travels, it's expensive. I don't know how many millions of dollars was spent to 
provide the security, upgrade the roads, and make everything pretty for the Pope. But between the, the expense that the, that the church put out and the expense that Canada put out to receive him, and not to mention how many millions of dollars native people spent to go to his beck and call, it's deplorable. Especially, and, and I hate to put a dollar figure on it, but that's all that ever happens. I mean, among the biggest gripes that I heard was that, oh, the church still owes $30 million in, uh, in, you know, in, in fees or fines associated with the uh, residential schools. $30 million? Do you realize how little money that is? I mean, I'm, I'm sure they spent that much in, in this so-called apology tour. I'm going to put things in perspective. <laughs> Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, extorted $560 million out of the Seneca Nation. Again, let me say the number again. $560 million, which brought the total that the state has taken from Seneca's. And I realize this is gaming dollars and maybe people have different views about this, but the Seneca's have been squeezed for over $2 billion. Now, I've also heard that the Catholic Church has now put out over $30 billion in settlements because of the, the clergy sex abuse scandals. None of that's gone to Native people. None of that has anything to do with, with the residential schools and the, and the role of the Catholic Church and other churches have played in the sex abuse, the physical abuse, the murders, the, the neglect, the, the, the manslaughter. And I say man, but I'm talking about children that the Catholic Church and other churches were responsible for. But let me get back to talking about the, about the Pope's apology. One of the things that was very clear was how much his messaging was managed. He was so careful not to accept any responsibility. He actually apologized. No, I take it back. He didn't even apologize. He begged for forgiveness for the role that Christians and you can say that in third, in third person, the, the role that Christians, the, the role that they, not we, he never once said we. He said the, he begged for forgiveness for the role that Christians played in these residential schools. Now, he tweaked his message as he went along. He never once mentioned sex abuse. I take it back. He may have mentioned it towards the very end. He also... Tweaked it. He never took responsibility for the Catholic Church's role. And again, never addressed the, 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 the papal bulls and the doctrine of discovery. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later as well. But he never apologized for the role the church played in any of this. He just apologized for the role that Christians played. And he did go a little farther and said, well, and the Christian, these Christian institutions. But he never said his church. He never said the Catholic Church. And, and he said, these institutions, and by institutions, he's talking about the schools, but not the church. So he never apologized for the role the Catholic Church played in the deaths of thousands and thousands of children. The neglect, the abuse, the trauma for over 100 years, but you know, by some counts, 150 years of these, of these schools. Now, at the, at the end of his messaging, by the, by the time he was, oh, I already left Native territory, by the way, he did use the word genocide. And when he was asked why he's never, never used the word genocide before that, he actually said it, it slipped his mind. He didn't think of it. He didn't think to call it genocide until the end. Why? Because he was already getting piles of criticism. Yeah, I know. There were plenty of Native people fawning all over him. I get it offering him headdresses and, you know, you know, kissing his hand and shaking his hand and exchanging smiles and niceties. All. Yeah, there was plenty of that. But, you know, there were a whole lot of us who weren't. There's a lot of us who were pissed. Now, look, I don't put a whole lot of my attention or energy towards the Pope. I think the Pope is irrelevant. I think the Catholic Church is irrelevant. In fact, I think most, the, the most significant thing about Christianity is the fact that so many people fake it. I mean, I'm sorry. When I see hundreds of people offering thoughts and prayers, I gotta wonder, do, do any of these people fall on their knees at their bedside and actually pray? 
Do they go to the church and light their candles and offer prayers for their loved ones or for the trauma? No, they don't. Most people say the words and then it drops off into space. You, you, you can say I'm wrong, but I don't know anybody who's actually done that, who's actually said, oh, you're in my prayers, and then literally offer prayers. Maybe they think because they say you're in my prayers that that constitutes a prayer. I don't know. And, and maybe, <laughs> maybe some people say that's, that does. I don't know. But whatever that is. I'm not a prayerful person. I don't pray. I don't pray to your God. I don't pray to the creator. I acknowledge, respect, and, and I sit in reverence of the power of creation. Not some personification of the power of creation, just creation. I don't, I don't pray to a creator. And I know many of you do. And, and I may be a little off-putting to some of you uh, by, by, saying, by saying this. But, that, you know, you're free to do whatever you do. You know, and, and I'm not condemning you if you burn tobacco and you go to church and you, you, know, you, you smudge with sage. I'm not condemning any of that stuff. I, I think some of that stuff has great foundation. No, I don't know about the church thing. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that they could build these palaces and claim that that's somehow related to the words of Jesus Christ, which I'm, you know, I've never heard Jesus advocate the idea of, you know, ornate gold fixtures and goblets and, you know, statues and crucifixes and, you know, all, I don't know. But anyway, that's, I'm not even going to get into all that. And there's certainly many people who have profited in huge ways by claiming to be men of God. Well, we've also seen thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps millions of people killed. Well, certainly, certainly. I'm not going to pull any punches on that. We've seen millions of people who died in the name of God, who were killed in the name of God. And certainly, Native people have experienced that. Those papal bulls, that doctrine of Christian discovery, it's responsible for the largest and the longest-running genocide the world has ever seen. I know, you know, Jewish people want to claim the Holocaust, and, and look, I, 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 I feel your pain. Unfortunately, you don't feel ours. Not, not in the wholesale way that, um, you know, the, the, the Holocaust and, and, and all of the atrocities committed against Jewish people by, in the hands of the Nazis has been put forward to, throughout the world. And I'm, I'm not a denier. And I'm not even trying to compare the two because, frankly, there is no comparison. We didn't have six million people killed. We had hundreds of millions of people killed. And not just by one evil regime, by nation after nation after nation after nation, by institution after institution, army after army. That's what our experience is. And one of the final, one of the final um, strategies of genocide, and not the last one, but one of them, were these schools. And these schools represented this unholy marriage between church and state. Yeah, remember the whole separation of church and state thing? Yeah, not so much in the U.S. and Canada, or frankly, any of the nations, other nations who did this. And let's be clear. These schools funded by, the, by state and federal government, sometimes federal government, sometimes state governments, and operated by churches. So these churches were paid by the state, by governments to do this, by the provinces, by the, by the federal governments in, in Canada, in the U.S., in Alaska, in Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. I don't want to leave Hawaii out of this thing. They have been as much the victims of all of this genocide as any of us. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like, and I talk about this all the time on the show, this show and, and my resistance radio show. It's like the word racism somehow, there are so many people who believe that doesn't apply when we talk about what Native people experience. I mean, we had this murder that took place in Buffalo several months ago, almost, well, working on three months now back in, in, in May. And since that one guy, one white supremacist, 
walked into a Topps market and murdered black people. There's been this constant attempt to reduce racism down to just hate and violence. And it's not, it's systemic. And when I say systemic, I don't mean that it's just taught. I mean, it's woven into everything from the law, the courts, the police, capitalism, the media, theater, literature, everything. It's woven into everything. We're barraged by, by racism and it isn't just towards black people. If you're not white, you have likely been the victim of racism. And if, and if you are not white and you've been able to find comfortable places in, in this dominant culture, then you've probably thrown some of your own people under a bus. And, and I've talked about that on the show as well. And in fact, I would argue that those who all went to pander to this Pope threw us all under a bus. They made a mockery of who we are. Why the hell would you bestow a, a headdress on a Pope? I mean, it almost seems like that would be like violate his faith for that matter, but I don't know. I mean, look, I don't try to equate our culture with religious beliefs. Many do. But let's be clear, 150 years of residential schools, forced indoctrination, and I'll get into some of what took place at those schools in just a moment, has resulted in most of our territories. In fact, I can only think of, actually, I can only think of one community, <laughs> one native community, I can only think of one that doesn't have a church on it. And that was a community that we took the place back and, and prohibited this idea of Christianity coming into the territory. But every one of our territories, I, I live here on the, on the Cataracts territory of the Seneca Nation. I once did a count. I don't know how many churches there are here. It's over half a dozen. I don't think it's a dozen, but it's over half a dozen. Even Onondaga, this the so-called bastion of Haudenosaunee traditionalism. In fact, there were it was a couple of incidents a few years back where uh, a couple of churches uh, were were uh, burned, not to the ground, but they were burned. A couple of kids got arrested for it. That's how many churches there are. There's enough churches in Onondaga that you can burn a few and not and not lose any. So we have been forced in this assimilation program and indoctrination program, and it's it's found its lodging. I mean, that's why all these people came out, you know, pandering to the Pope. Most of them are Christians. Most of them are Catholics. And it was an honor for them to sit before this guy, like he was God himself or something. In fact, that's what they say. They, they, they called him the, the, the human manifestation of, uh, you know, of God or whatever. I don't know if they really say that, but I've, I've heard that said. It's, um, it's pretty pathetic. Now, Again, so the Pope never apologized for the church. And the whole time he was here, there was a constant drumbeat, and yes, I know, that's a, it's a pun, about the doctrine of Christian discovery. He never addressed it. And again, popes in the past have suggested, oh yeah, we've, uh, we put that to rest. No, you didn't. You didn't undo the language. You didn't repudiate it. And you certainly didn't call on the nations that have codified the doctrine of Christian discovery. And yes, the United States did that. And I know I've said it many times, I'll say it again. The liberal darling of the, uh, of the U.S. Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, cited the doctrine of discovery in her ruling against the Oneidas in 2005. 2005. Now, it became codified in U.S. law in 1823 when two white guys were fighting over land. They both claimed that they had control over, leased or whatever, one from the Cherokee and one from the state. And so they, they fought and really had nothing to do with, with Native people, really. <laughs> but that's when Justice John Marshall not only codified the doctrine of Christian discovery into U.S. law by essentially claiming that it gave the United States title, because frankly, the United States had a problem with that. You know, for these cultures, you know, these Christian cultures that put such a high emphasis on owning things, they couldn't clear their title for the lands until John Marshall did it for them. He also equated 
discovery with conquest. So as far as John Marshall is concerned, the fact that white people laid their eyes on us was the same thing as conquering us. And let's be clear, the conflicts that existed between any of the European nations and its offspring like the United States or Canada only total up to maybe 50 conflicts that can be documented. There were thousands of distinct native groups of people in North America alone. I'm not even talking about South America. And out of those conflicts, the United States and Canada didn't win them all. In fact, they, they took a beating and uh, a pretty good drubbing in some of them. And there aren't any wholesale surrender agreements between Indians as a whole, you know, as a general concept, and the United States. There's a claim that we are conquered, but there's no evidence of it. There's no documentation for it. And that's been the relationship between the United States and Native peoples. The United States claims things, they claim authority, and the rest of the world just lets it go. It's kind of like Hawaii. When the United States went in and illegally occupied Hawaii, even though there were hundreds of nations throughout the world who had already formally acknowledged and, and recognized Hawaii as a distinct, as a kingdom, a sovereign, a sovereign nation. They all just buried their head when the United States illegally, illegally occupied and then claimed to have annexed it, which they didn't do. And of course, Hawaii, Hawaiian people would also be the victims of these residential schools, these, these Christian indoctrination camps. And the Pope never apologized for that. He apologized, he didn't, he, didn't, he actually apologized for, for just others, third party apologized. I apologize for what those guys did, for what they did. Now, for those of you who say, yeah, but you're not, I'm not being fair, I mean, you know, Pope Francis didn't do any of these things. I'll tell you what Pope Francis did do. 2015, against a wave of very vocal protests, Pope Francis completed and finalized the sainthood of Junipero Serra. Junipero Serra was, he was a Catholic priest who established missions from what would be known as San Diego all the way up to San Francisco, up in the, Cal uh, uh, the California coast. He would, be, he would personally be responsible for the deaths of thousands of Native people. Many, if not most, were children. The mortality rate for children under, in, in these missions that, that Junipero Serra established was in excess of 70%. But for, for Sarah, if a child was baptized, it didn't matter what happened after that. Or, or if an adult was baptized, once he could claim to have taken their soul and delivered it to Jesus, it didn't matter what happened to the bodies. That's how he could measure his success. And you know what? The Catholic Church measured the success that way too. And it isn't even just Francis, because he was, I think, part of the process to turn him into a saint began before Francis was the Pope. But it finished with him. Pope Francis made this guy, who was responsible for the death of thousands of children and others, for the enslavement of Native people to, 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 to work, to, to support these missions. He made him a saint, a saint. Francis did that. Pope Francis did that. So, I, I'm sorry, I just can't say that this guy had, had no hand in any of this stuff. You are elevating and promoting an individual who was responsible for the deaths of thousands of children. I mean, there were these statues of, of Junipero Serra with, with children clinging to his robe, which is, has, has a sickness to it all by itself. You know, a couple of years ago, in the, the state capitol, on the grounds of the state capitol in California, protesters pulled the statue down. They, they toppled it, not knocked it down, busted it up. In fact, the current governor has, has vowed to not replace it. 
And instead, he was going to erect something that would be a monument to indigenous people. Yeah, again, I think it's better, better than Columbus or this guy. Look, in the wake of Columbus statues being toppled, so did Huna Parasera statues. And you know what? This pope knew that. He knew it two years ago. He certainly knew it during this tour. He never mentioned Huna Parasera the whole time he was here. He mentioned residential schools. Well, that's what these things were. These mission schools that, that Sarah established, it was part of the, the precursor to what would be these this national system, both in U.S. and Canada, uh, of, of residential schools. And he turned that guy into a saint. So no, don't tell me I'm being harsh. Learn some history for crying out loud. I was going to say for Christ's sake, but that would have that been funny, wouldn't it? But then, no, for crying out loud. I mean, just learn some history. Open up a book for crying out loud. Look, look you, we all have our smartphones. We have an unbelievable amount of information at our fingertips. And I realize most people don't even know where to begin. And when I bring up things like the executions at Mankato, Minnesota, at the hands of Abraham Lincoln, people are like, what? what was that? I don't know anything about that. Most people don't even know, what they, know anything about these residential schools. Even as, the, as, a, as there is a constant drumbeat of news reporting, especially on, from the Canadian side, of hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds and upon hundreds of unmarked graves being not discovered. I don't even want to use the word discovered. Confirmed. Because we knew they were there. We know they're there. And in fact, if there's ever a, an accurate accounting of, total, of a total number of, of children who died and buried in these schools, marked, unmarked, mass, whatever kind of graves you want to talk about, It'll be in excess of 10,000 on the Canadian side and well over 50,000 on the U.S. side. And that's not just a random guess. That's based on the amount of kids that were kidnapped and dragged to these schools, imprisoned in these schools. Yeah, I know. I keep saying, calling them schools. Well, they weren't schools. These children weren't educated. They were abused. They were indoctrinated. Now, if you want to view indoctrination as an education, I guess there are people who would do that. They would, they would make that characterization. The goal was to kill the Indian, save the man. And by kill the Indian, the claim is, well, we didn't really mean kill them. We meant kill that part of them. Well, so having said that, let's be clear. Every child had some part of them killed in these schools. Every child had some part of them killed in those schools. Some of them were killed completely. Some of them were traumatized so bad. And we're talking about 150 years here. So we're talking about generation after generation after generation. Now, and I've said it before on this show and on my, other, my radio show, we experienced the largest period and the largest amount of land loss during the residential school era. We... we experienced the largest population drop and the longest period of population drop during the, these residential schools era. We also experienced the largest elimination of our cultural identity. And that's why we have, I mean, we have, we have some places <laughs> Or, and territories, communities, and even the names associated with the people who live there that are Christian names. St. Regis Mohawks. St. Regis Mohawks, yeah. There's no such thing as St. Regis Mohawk, but it's written someplace. That's what they call Akwesasne. We don't call it that, but that's what they call it. That's what the federal government recognizes, the St. Regis Mohawk tribe. That's what the, that's what the, the fact, that's the only Mohawk nation, quote unquote Mohawk nation, that the federal government recognizes. We don't recognize that, but that's what the federal government recognizes. I mean, there, there, look, there are territories um, whose, uh, the name of the territory are Christian names. The people carry Christian names. And of course, during the residential schools, many of the children lost their names. 
They didn't just have the language eradicated from their, from their mouths and from their minds, but they had their names changed. They were given good biblical names like Joshua and Mary and John and Isaac. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what happened at these schools. Our children were abused. They were physically abused. They were sexually abused. I mean, the irony that, that, people, are, that people now are addressing this, this abortion issue today the way they are with the Supreme Court um, stripping away the constitutional protection for, uh, for a, a woman's right to choose. It ignores the fact that, that these church-run schools were aborting pregnancies and killing babies because there wasn't supposed to be babies in these schools. These students weren't supposed to be get, get pregnant. And how did they get pregnant? Because they're being raped by clergy. And look, let's be clear here. These schools weren't just run by the church. Everybody who worked in these schools were nuns or priests or some delineation of, of you know, clergy anyway. That's, that's how these things operated. And the children didn't learn a skill set. They barely learned, learned to read and write. They, they learned how to pray and march. And the, the girls learned how to be maids, if not house slaves or house servants. They learned how to work the fields. I mean, at like in, in the most menial labor type of, uh, type of way. They didn't learn how to be farmers. They learned how to be slave labor. They were traumatized. They lost the ability to nurture each other. They lost that thread, that nurturing that they might have gotten from their parents and their grandparents. That was all stripped away. Names, family, home, connection to territory. Look, we, when I describe the word ungwe ungwe, it, it means original people. But that in that word original, what it means is that we're tied to place, both in both directions, in the past and in the future. You cannot be ungwe if you were if you don't have a deep connection to the land. And that was true. Children were sent hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from their homelands. Many of these children who died at these schools would die in a territory that they had no connection to except for having bled there. So that's what happened at these schools. That's not what Pope Francis apologized for. He didn't acknowledge or offer anything from the Catholic Church other than begging for forgiveness. And he leaves the six-day tour of Canada with baskets full of goodies. It's, like, it's almost like, <laughs> it's like what the stars get when they go to the Oscars. They, they, they go home with goodie bags. His were spilling over with feathers and beads. I was angered by this tour. Not because I expect the Pope to do anything. In fact, I, the Pope can't do anything. But he made a mockery of everything. And there became enough deflection, both from the Prime Minister of Canada and, and, and the Pope. I mean, it's almost like they could point the finger at each other. I mean, Trudeau literally said the church had to accept more responsibility. Wait a minute, what about Canada accepting responsibility? And again, as angry as I am to the Native people who pandered to the Pope, I have to acknowledge right now that they're victims too. The fact that they've pandered to this Pope is a part of yeah, their, the brainwashing, the indoctrination, the Stockholm Syndrome. Look, I know there are Native people who work against Native people. And we saw evidence of some of that. And to a person who appeared either on camera or on stage, or whatever else, every Native person tried to justify what they did. The only person who was justified was the Cree singer who, who sang <laughs> to the melody of the, the Canadian National Anthem.
her words were the only ones that resonated with me. But look, if you join that system, and I don't mean just their military, and I don't mean just their church, but if you become part of their politics, Mary Simon, I'm sorry. You're theirs. You're theirs. Deb Howland, you're one of theirs. You're not one of ours. I don't know that some of these people ever were. But certainly, when you take your oath of office and to defend the Constitution of the United States or Canada or Great Britain or whatever Mary Simon is, actually, she's a governor general, so she represents the crown. Which, I mean, and, and the crown is um, like the second biggest lie. I mean, I don't know who's a bigger lie. The idea that, that, that the Pope is the holiest man on the, on, on the planet or that God somehow bestowed the authority for certain families, only certain families to rule over others. It's all, it's all BS. And so you know what? If that's BS, Mary Simon, your job is BS and you're BS. And Deb Haaland, you don't represent us. You represent the President of the United States. So just as I listened to this Pope parse every word and meticulously craft every statement in such a way that would reduce the church's liability here? It's the same thing that I hear out of Dev Allen or anybody else for that matter. And you know, when our people work for them, they work for them. And by them, I mean Canada, the United States, the, the provinces, the states, whatever. And I don't hate you for it. I get angry when there's a misrepresentation on who you represent. And I don't care where you come from. I care where you're at. Because if you're not really hearing our voices, and Deb Hallen, you haven't had a sit down with anybody. You certainly didn't sit down with the Seneca Nation after getting screwed from the state of New York. Or while being screwed from the state of New York. Look, you work for them. You don't work for us. And so in much the same way, I mean, and, and I got a liking a little bit of this mockery that the, the headdress gifting and so much of this other stuff represented. You know, I, I come back to, in many ways to the, to the mascot issue. And, and while it may not be the most serious offense, that kind of mockery and that kind of identity theft and I'm sorry, if you're an elected band council chief and you run around with a headdress on, then you're making a mockery of tradition and culture. Because that's not what that, that headdress doesn't represent somebody who's been elected in, within the, the system of federalism in the U.S. or Canada. If you're a band council chief, you, you're part of the Canadian government. And I'm not saying that every elected council on the U.S. side is a part of the U.S. government. Some of them are, especially all of the ones who accepted the Indian Reorganization Act. But the level of indoctrination in everything that we do, and I'm not talking about the clothes that we wear. Yes, it does include some of that. But I'm talking about how we govern this, this false idea of what democracy is or supposed to be, that it isn't. I mean, the United States isn't a democracy. If you recall, Donald Trump became president, losing to Hillary Clinton in the popular vote by you know, over 2 million votes. It's not a democracy. It, it's, it's not even close. And you know what? Democracies suck too. I mean, the tyranny of the majority is still a problem. I mean, is, I guess the tyranny of the minority would be worse. Uh, uh, and we've seen that. And certainly Africa's seen that. And any place where there's still a large native population, where they're in the majority, yet are made to feel subservient to white people. And we've seen that in plenty of places. Puerto Rico comes to mind. Other places come to mind. I don't know what the, what the overall population uh, demographics are in Hawaii, but 
it's a fairly recent phenomenon that white people would outnumber the Hawaiian people. And I say fairly recent. In the, I, I say that in the overall scheme of you know, our histories. There's no question that the church ha has played a significant role in promoting and participating in the genocide of native people. Hawaiian people, native people on this continent, native people in South, North and South America. There's no question about that. But that's not what Pope Francis apologized for. He didn't apologize. He asked for forgiveness, but that's not our concept. That's not what we do. So, again, my final thoughts on, on Pope Francis's visit is that the whole thing was a sham. And I'm glad that some of the reporting, at least suggested it's not characterized some of the opposition that came from native people over the, the, the shortcomings of the Pope's words. And they were all gonna be short. They were all gonna ring hollow. Again, I can't get past the fact that he made Junipero Serra a saint. You can't do that. And he, and he actually did that at the same time that he was, he was supposedly owning <laughs> or, or issuing you know, significant statements relating to the genocide, that colonization, again, almost making a third party. Like, yeah, colonization, you know, the, the, the harm that was done by, through colonization. He didn't mention the role that the church played in colonization in every aspect of it. And it, look, I, I know a lot of this is about beating up on the Catholic Church. But at the time when the doctrine of Christian discovery, you know, became, you know, the, the rule, <laughs> not the exception, but the rule of European nations, there was only the Catholic Church. But the, the other churches that broke off the Catholic Church, they all, you know, bought into the same bullshit. They all embraced the doctrine of discovery. Hell, when the Jewish lady on the court cites the doctrine of Christian discovery, that shows you how broad-based that this indoctrination, you know, what, how much it reaches everybody. The Jewish lady cited the doctrine of Christian discovery. She didn't even say how this, uh, the title became vested in the European nations or the United States. She just said that it was, like, upon discovery. It's kind of like Justice John Marshall who said, our sovereignty was necessarily diminished upon so uh, discovery. Well, what do you mean upon, was necessarily, what do you mean it was necessarily diminished? There's no explanation to that, but this is what gets read into the law. And this becomes not just part of the policy, but it becomes the permission. I mean, residential schools were authorized and funded by the countries that were raping our land to do it. I mean, it's the level of insult Injury to insult, <laughs> insult to injury, I should say, is, is just incredible. It's just incredible. So no, Pope Francis, I do not accept your apology. And I don't accept any of the overtures that any of the folks made, including any of the Haudenosaunee who've, who've gone there to pander to the Pope or went to Canada to pander to the Pope. Most of our people took a pretty strong position. And my, the people that I'm associated with were all outraged. The Pope did not accept one ounce of responsibility. And let, let's be clear here. The church took billions of dollars out of Native people's lands, out of their communities, the amount of blood and treasure that the Catholic Church in particular took from Native people makes, makes Hitler look like, like a Girl Scout. And I'm not blaming all of that 
on Pope Francis. But as long as he's going to continue to perpetuate this, this bullshit, and then come across as this pitiful, if not feeble old man who somehow deserves our pity and our, for, and our forgiveness, no. No. You don't get it. You don't get, my, you don't get my pity and you don't get my forgiveness. And shame on any of you who bought into the bullshit dog and pony show that the Pope's apology tour represented. I'm still waiting for the church to repudiate the doctrine of Christian discovery and to begin to assess not only the role they played in the abuse of our children, the murder of our children, the genocide, but the genocide of our people. I've said it before, I'm going to say it right now. If you're only going to look at these residential schools as crimes committed against children by these individuals who happen to be Christian against Native children, and you're not going to look at what the real reason any of this even took place was, which was to destroy us as a distinct people. So they could take more of our land, so they could take more of our stuff, and they could erase us. I mean, they erased our names. They erased our language. They erased our population. But in spite of all that, we're still here. We're damaged significantly. In fact, we're, we're divided significantly. We have plenty of Native people who are all in with Canada and all in with the United States. They serve in their military. They worship in their churches. They run for office in their, in their politics. They even teach some of the bullshit that they, that they teach in their schools. But not all of us. And I think the growing number of people, Native people, who are rejecting all of that, who are, I mean, the, the concept of decolonization, and I've said it before on the show, I'll say yeah, it is not finding comfortable places within the systems of, of oppression. It's untangling ourselves. It, it's untangling ourselves from those systems and dismantling those systems that have imposed themselves upon our territories. That's what decolonization is. Most Native people, especially those ones giving away headdresses to the Pope or to presidents or prime ministers or wherever else, they aren't decolonizing. They're, they're relishing and basking in this idea that somehow they're being propped up like a Deb Haaland or a Mary Simon because they have been the good Indian. Not all of us are, are that good. Not in that context. We won't fit into this construct of good and evil based on the Bible, based on faith, based on religion. We are born with the right to carry ourselves forward. And I know many Native people are, are finding different ways to do that. And I can't begrudge those too much who accept a certain level of indoctrination. I, 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 you know, I remember the song, and I know, I know I brought this up before, the song by Mike and the Mechanics. It's called Running, Silent Running. And there's a line in this says, pledge allegiance to the flag, whatever flag they offer. Just never let them know how you, what you truly feel. I know oftentimes we have to do what we got to do to get through the next day. I can't begrudge my ancestors, the people who came before us who had to make huge compromises just based on the, the sheer, you know, struggle to survive. But we're not there now. We're not just struggling to survive right now. That time may come again, especially with the effects that white men have had on capitalism, on the planet, on the globe, on the climate. But we've gotten comfortable. We've gotten too comfortable. We've gotten so comfortable that we can sit in the room with the Pope 
and share niceties and smiles and greetings and all this, all this nice stuff instead of telling them the truth. So these are my final words. I hope I don't have to even mention the, the name Pope Francis again. If I never have to say, the, say his name or, or that position or anything else again, it'll be too soon. I won't promise to not bring it up again because I don't know when, how long that, that will maintain being the distraction that it's been over the past week. But I'm going to combat it every step along the way. And I appreciate all of you who do so as well. I'm not alone in this. And I don't even think that I have the strongest position or, or that I've taken the strongest position on all this. I think many of you have been more far more outspoken than even I have. But I join you. And I support you. So that's it. Those are my, my final thoughts on the Pope's apology tour. So we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.